When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Detectives say the 32-year-old cold case was cracked with the help from a deck of cards. On each card, a different cold case, whether it be a wanted person, a missing person, or an unsolved murder. Well, investigators say a prison inmate saw the victim's face on one of the cold case playing cards and then tipped investigators off. The Bernalillo County Sheriff's Department had the cards made up at the suggestion of a former cold case detective. I'm Tommy Ray. Cold case card program I started here in Polk County has since grown across the U.S. This is not your ordinary deck of playing cards. These cards contain 52 unsolved cases, and with every hand that's played, the stakes are unusually high. They've been dealt to inmates across the nation, and investigators are hoping their tips will stack the odds in favor of the House. Now it's your turn. These victims have been dealt an unfair hand, and it's up to you to deal justice. Somebody, somewhere, has information that could be investigators' ace in the hole. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 7 of Dealing Justice. I'm Jennifer Dubasek. And I'm Lori Jennings. And today, we're going to tell you about the life and death of 24-year-old Richard Martin from West Pelzer, South Carolina. September 2nd, 2020 marks 25 years since Richard was beaten and left for dead on Welcome Road in Anderson County, South Carolina. Richard was not a professional athlete, not a celebrity, nor a small-town star, but he was his mom's golden boy. Ada Martin has refused to let her son's memory or his death be forgotten, and she's not alone. Here, Captain Andy Tribble tells us about Richard Martin being on the cold case playing cards and how the Anderson County Sheriff's Office is upping the ante and looking for new leads. Well, my name's Andy Tribble. I'm the captain of investigations at the Anderson County Sheriff's Office in Anderson, South Carolina. I guess it was 2007, I was a a detective, and at that time I'd been assigned to internal affairs, and I was also started working on some cold cases that we had in the office, and part of that we reviewed a lot of our unsolved homicides from the past, and this is one that we looked at and started to reinvestigate, and over the years have been working on it on and off, I guess since 
since that time. So I was contacted by Tom Lucas. His son was a homicide victim back in 2003 in a pretty or very well-known case here in the upstate um, where there were four people murdered, which, you know, Todd Kohlhepp is claim responsibility for that murder uh, or those murders. But at that time, Tom had been had gotten this idea, I think, from Florida where they were putting these decks of cards into prisons with cold cases and missing people on them in hopes that uh, somebody in prison, as they played with the cards and looked at them, they might know something about the case and would call Crime Stoppers or submit a tip uh, with information. And so we were asked if we wanted to put some of our cases on the first deck, which we did. And I think we've, we've been involved in that program. I have three decks there now that I know we have cases in all three of those. Through the years, we've offered rewards. Now that through some additional funding, we're going to be able to offer a $10,000 reward for information leading to an arrest and conviction in this case. We would love to see the day when there are no more faces to put on the cold case playing cards. But until that day comes, we will continue working with Tommy Ray and telling these stories in pursuit of dealing justice. Time for us to solve these cases one card at a time. Help us deal justice for Richard Martin. This is Episode 7, The Richard Martin Case, Ace of Spades, South Carolina Deck. This episode of Dealing Justice brings us to Welcome Road in Anderson County, South Carolina, where this sleepy country road was all but welcoming. 24-year-old Channing Richard Martin was born in 1971 and was the only child to Mrs. Ada Martin. He was welcomed into this world as part of a tight-knit, loving family, and it would stay that way. He went by his middle name, Richard, and here, Ada takes us back to the early days of his life. I knew from the time I was told that I was pregnant that it was going to be a little boy. I even went so far as to knit a little blue sweater, and I didn't even know how to knit at the time. <laughs> the day he was born, he pushed away from me because I was trying to hold him as tight as could be, finally getting to see him. And he pushed away and he looked at me like, okay, mom, I'm here. Let me go. <laughs> so independent always from day one. He was my only child. He was born in 71 and we separated in 72. The divorce was final in 73, and so we went through until he was 18, the, the weekends every other weekend, or one week in the summer with his dad and all that stuff. Even from a young age, Richard had a smile that made you smile just looking at him. It was an intrinsic, full-body smile, nothing forced, just genuine contentment. In one picture, he looks to be around 10 years old. He's standing in front of an old blue truck with dark jeans on and a gray hoodie sweatshirt and a camo print baseball cap pushed down on his soft brown hair. He's holding a huge saltwater fish with both his little hands wrapped around the tail, and he's struggling to hold it up for the camera, but pride is absolutely pouring out of his soul. He had went fishing with his daddy, Dudley Martin, and his granddaddy, Jack Martin, and this was everything. You can tell that he was loved and cared for. Here, his cousin, Melissa Hersey Anderson, tells us just how much his mama, Ada, loved her little golden boy. He was her world, and she raised him 
well. I talk about how she made each one of his birthday cakes with love, and she did. She made each one of his birthday cakes. They were not store-bought. They were hers. She made those because she loved him so much. Richard was raised in the small town of West Pelser in Anderson County, South Carolina, with a population of under a 1,000. It's American flags, hay bales, and dirt roads. And when I talked to Miss Ada, his mom, she really did paint that picture of a perfect little country town. It is outskirts of a little bitty town called West Pelzer. Way back then, West Pelzer had a main street, and there was one mortuary, and across the street from that mortuary, me, Melissa's mother, and an older sister were actually all born in one house. He grew up exactly on these two acres where I live now. My parents were up the road, and Melissa's was next door. My niece, her parents were next door at the time. These are the woods that he played in, and there's still woods everywhere. We're pretty secluded in the country. We were country people. Country people living in a small country town, and Richard never pretended to be anything different. Here, Melissa describes the cousin she so fondly remembers. My name's Melissa Hersey Anderson, and I was Richard's cousin. And we lived next door to each other for most of our lives. And we were like brother and sister. He was the closest thing to a brother I had. I was an only child. We went to school together. He was a few years younger than me. And we played together and fought like brothers and sisters would do. He was tough because, you know, it was just him and his mom. He was the man of the house, even as a little boy. Um, He was always the protector. Even though I was older than him, I was the female. And so I was the china doll, and he was the knight in shining armor that was going to take care of me no matter what. And whether we were playing cowboys and Indians or, or whatever we were playing, he was always coming to my rescue. And it was the same thing in real life. If he thought I was in danger, he was going to come to my rescue. He would give you the shirt off his back if he thought you needed it. The last time I saw Richard alive, We were here at his mom's house, and I lived next door, and at that time, I was married and had two small children, so I was an adult, and I was still scared of the dark, even as an adult I am today. It had gotten dark, and I was ready to go home, and I decided that he would have to walk me home, because if he didn't, he would be hiding behind a tree to scare me. So um, he walked me home, because otherwise, he would jump out behind from behind the tree to scare me, and that was the last time I ever saw him alive. He walked me home that night because I was scared. As a son to a single mom, he grew into his role as man of the house. He was compassionate and protective, but he absolutely had a fun side. Another time, I was putting in a ground rod for power. If you know anything about a ground rod, it's a long, tall rod that goes into the ground, and I was on the back of a truck putting it into the ground with a sledgehammer because my husband was away with the military. And I looked over the fence, and he was standing there watching me, laughing at me, rather than coming and helping me because he thought it was funny to watch me work that hard. So that was part of his mischievousness. I have a story that he loved to make people smile. He enjoyed putting bugs down the back of Melissa's mother because it scared her so bad. And one of his favorite things was the time he slid a rubber snake under the door while I was in the bathroom. And he did not telling everybody that he did it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Richard was kind-hearted and was especially drawn to the vulnerable. He didn't like seeing people hurt, and if someone needed defending, Richard didn't back down. 
we have been told in later years of how when there were people that were being bullied in school or whatever, his friends especially, he would take up for them. Even people he barely knew would get in there and get into it. I think maybe he would try to keep other people from being hurt because he had been hurt when my daddy died. That was one of his favorite people, and that was when he was 10 years old. But he was a protector, as Melissa said, and he never let go. When we asked people to describe Richard, the same word kept coming up, simple. He was a simple man. He was a young man with an old soul, and he was trying to navigate this great big world. As he grew up, he ditched the little boy haircut and embraced the freedom of his wild, long hair. Richard was becoming his own man, but he was born and raised in the Bible Belt. Drinking, smoking, tattoos, and motorcycles are considered hard living. Richard was 24 years old, and he loved Harleys. He had tattoos and guitars, and he liked to drink on the weekends. But he respected his family and his upbringing, and he managed to straddle both worlds by staying true to himself. We grew up together, but as we got older, we grew apart because he liked to drink and go to the bars, and I got married and had children and didn't allow alcohol in my house. So, you know, we we still we loved each other and would have done anything for each other, but we were just different. He was simple, and the finer things in life, the things you can buy didn't matter to him. Those things didn't matter. Richard's mom, Ada Martin. I didn't know he had a Harley-Davidson eagle up from shoulder blade to shoulder blade on his back until shortly before he was murdered. I don't know when, when he did that or whatever. I knew he had one on each arm, and he tried to hide those from my mother, too. So. <laughs> and he loved Harley-Davidson's. He was building that motorcycle. He, had, uh, he was in the process of sanding down the gas tank and getting it ready to paint when he was killed. He was putting one together, and that was all he ever wanted. When he was about three, he pulled me along to one of the stores and showed me a battery-operated motorcycle, and I told him at the time he was too big for that. So he, he waited, and when he got where he could, he bought one put together, but it never was completed. Did he play the guitar? Was he really into music? He played guitar, and he did write some words to a song, but he never, I, don't, I doubt if he ever even sang it, but he did play guitar from his own. He bought his guitars. He had a flat top and a electric guitar that he bought with his graduation money and a horse. He bought a horse, too? Yeah. <laughs> what were some of his favorite bands? Do you guys know, like, what kind of music he likes to listen to? Leonard Skinner. <laughs> um, Simple Man was played at his funeral. Oh, wow. And a simple man is on his headstone. Oh, wow. Richard Martin was living on his own and working at a job installing vinyl siding, and he had a girlfriend. Things were smooth and steady for him. But as most of us know, life tends to rebuke smooth and steady, especially in your 20s. Richard and his girlfriend broke up, and he was devastated. To give you some insight into how devastated he was, this message was on his answering machine. I may be outside feeding the dogs or maybe just to the mailbox. Call me back. And if this is you, please come home. He had just 
within two weeks broke up with this girl that he was so crazy about. And he had worked all week. He did uh, work putting up vinyl siding. So when he got off work on Friday afternoon, he would get him some beers. He was, again, 24 years old. He was old enough to drink, and that's what he wanted to do. He had his own house. He paid his own bills and went his own way when he wasn't talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) He was planning to go to the grocery store with me and my mother the next morning. And he wanted to make sure he bought his beers and out for because he wouldn't buy it in front of my mother. He was down about losing the girlfriend, and he went out. And the next thing we know is he was he was at the hospital. Friday, September first, nineteen ninety-five. It was Friday night, and Richard was bummed about his girlfriend. He went to the store and grabbed some beers, and at some point, he headed out alone to Nancy's Lounge on I eighty-five. Richard was drinking his pain away, and he wasn't making any friends at Nancy's. I know what it's like to have a friend who is emotional and drinking at a bar, and it never ends well, and it would not be any different for Richard. At some point, the bouncer asked him to leave, and the bouncer would be the last confirmed person on record to see Richard alive. Saturday, September 2nd, 1995, 6 a.m. Around 6 o'clock a.m., I received a phone call, and it was my mother telling me that there was a police officer at the time. We didn't know all that terminology. At her house, wanting to talk to me because Richard had been hurt, and we needed to go to the hospital, but we needed to talk to this officer, police officer, first. Melissa, how did you find out that something had happened to your cousin? Like, how did you know something happened? Myself and Ada and my mom and my grandmother, we all lived on the same street. And I'm pretty sure it was my mom that called me and woke me up and told me that something had happened to Richard. And I got up and I went to my grandmother's house right up the road. And from there, we went on to the hospital. We're a really close family. And if somebody goes to the hospital in an emergency like that, we all go. Mucher's mom, Ada Martin. I was all shook up. I, I got dressed white. Because it took me that. Yeah, I just couldn't think straight. So we all went to the hospital, and they said he had severe head trauma and would never regain consciousness. So there it was, your worst fear. You go to bed with everything okay, and you wake up to never again. Never again will Richard catch a fish, head his horse, or ride his motorcycle, play his guitar, or walk someone home in the dark. No more playful arguments for him to cut his hair. No more homemade birthday cakes for him to see. No wedding. No grandkids. No more Richard Martin smile to soak up. I felt very guilty asking a mother to relive the worst day of her life. But it's absolutely necessary for someone to understand and for us to understand that taking one life isn't about ruining just the one life you took. He was found at 1.05 a.m. on that Saturday morning, September the 2nd, 1995, an older couple had been on vacation, and they came down through there, and almost the light shone on him laying in the middle of the road. It just so happened another younger man came in behind them, and when they didn't move, they stopped with the light shining on Richard. And when they didn't move, he got out and went up there, so he was actually the first person who saw Richard lying on the ground. He went to the house in front of where Richard was found and asked those folks to call 911. The injuries were so severe, of course, even in 95, they took the time to do the different tests. 
you know, every so many hours like they do now, but of course they're better now. Right. I was asked if I would donate his organs, and we did. So there were four, there were five people that had a little longer to live to share time with their loved ones because he was such a giving person, he gave the gift of life at the end. So I knew what I was doing. He was a giving person again. And if Richard could not be as good as or better than, he would not have wanted to be. Because he had more than the head trauma. Bruises and scrapes and a broken nose, as far as I can tell, and places on his back where he was scraped across the ground. But he had numerous abrasions and bruises. So it was more like he got beat up or somebody somebody was fighting him or doing something to him, to hurt him. Yeah. And they tried to, at first, they tried to really say it was, that maybe it was a hit and run or something? We think they left him in the road in hopes that he would be run over and it would hide the injuries that he had already received from them. Richard was dead, and Ada, Melissa, and the rest of the family were trying to understand what had happened. Initially, the investigators said it was an accident, that perhaps he had been struck by a car. But Richard's injuries would prove otherwise. It's an awful feeling as families wait for answers on a loved one's death. The funeral comes and goes. The flowers come and go. Days blur into nights and sleepless nights into days. Every day you expect an answer. A call from the police telling you they know what happened to your child. And it's a slow, torturous process as the reality of the situation becomes clear. There may never be answers. For Ada and Melissa, that was not an option. It was go time. And it was at that time that Melissa and I started our own investigation. When the investigator tells you there's nothing else he can or will do, he walks away and you sit down and you figure out where you go from there. And you start to make a plan and you get up and you go. We ran into so many people that wanted to talk, and when they did, we would actually trace them down. We've talked to people that people told us we shouldn't talk to and been in places we shouldn't have been. We had people telling us stuff that they didn't want their names involved, and if they didn't want their name involved, law enforcement wouldn't have anything to do with the information. We have been told. There was actually two different suspects at the time, and I can't say too much again because they'll recognize themselves. Do they know that you suspect them as well? They have at one time or the other and tried to intimidate me, a group of them. But, you know, we've never never come face-to-face to to talk to them, accuse them or anything. The first suspect will not take a lie detector test, a polygraph. So he's hiding something. And then the second group, again, they're the ones that have gotten out there and boldly and tried to intimidate. And I'm thinking to myself, look, you've already took my son. You can't do anything else to me. Richard was at a bar that night, and he left, some people say, in a vehicle. Some people say he left on foot. But then he was found about two miles down the road, laying in the middle of the road with severe head trauma. So we know someone, he didn't just fall down and hurt himself like we've been told before. Mm -hmm. He was actually, somebody had some reason to hurt him. Maybe they didn't mean to hurt him as bad as they did, or maybe they meant to kill him. One investigator along the way did try to 
tell us that he was hit by a mirror of a passing truck. Or if you're familiar with it, and again, they'll know who we're talking about, the tie bar on a red trailer. I went out, investigated, found all these trailers from the racetrack and proved to them, measured them, took pictures, and, and took all that information back. Now, you know, you got to remember this case is 25 years old, so the, the investigators and the sheriffs have changed hands several times in these 25 years. So we've been real lucky the past two administrations. The current administration is not. And we've been given, again, we go back to Andy or Captain Tribble, and he's been so great. We do thank God for people like Andy and, of course, the newer guys that are on the case, too. So we've been blessed with that, but we do, we want to see justice. I totally believe that God renders justice when man cannot. The person or persons who did this to Richard probably had no idea that he was so fiercely loved. They may even think they've gotten away with it. But if so, they've sorely underestimated the love and determination of Ada Martin and Melissa Hersey Anderson to keep Richard's memory and this cold case alive. Together with Captain Andy Tribble and the Anderson County Sheriff's Office, Richard's murder is getting renewed attention and funding in hopes that someone will come forward and help solve this case. Under the 12 years, she is the mother of Richard Martin, who was murdered 25 years ago today. So on today's uh, anniversary of his, of his homicide date, we wanted to bring attention that the reward for information that would lead, to, of course, to an arrest and prosecution in this case is up to $10,000. Well, my name's Andy Tribble. I'm the captain of investigations at the Anderson County Sheriff's Office in Anderson, South Carolina. I would love to uh, be able to speak with anyone who may have been in the bar that night that, did, that may have seen something. Obviously, if, if anybody saw Richard get into a vehicle with anyone or get into possibly an altercation with anyone outside in the parking lot. Um, and then also, you know, if, if anybody has heard, as you know, uh, over the years people talk and, and, you know, somebody that was involved in this may have said something to someone. Um, so even if you have, even if it is third, fourth hand information, hearsay, um, you know, any of that we can use to further investigate and hopefully make something out of it. When you work these cases, what I've realized is you really develop a relationship with the families. And I've had a relationship now with his mother since 2007. You know, I just really just feel for these families. You know, they just want so bad to have some answers. You know, even I think a lot of times, even if we weren't able to convict somebody or maybe some of these cases, the, the offender may be dead now. We don't know. But just to have answers and closures would just mean everything to these folks. And, you know, I just love to be able to do that, especially with these, with these families that I've worked with for so long. It has been 25 years today, September the 2nd, 2020, since that early September morning that we were called because Richard had been found lying in a rural country road not too far away from us. We went to the hospital that morning and found out at the time that he would not be coming home. So at this time, 25 years later, we're a lot. Sometimes we do sit down and rest, but we only get up to be stronger and hopefully more knowledgeable to get out there and know what questions to ask and who to ask 
and what to believe and what not to believe. But we will have that reward. It will be issued today, September the 2nd. And it will be $10,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the people involved in the homicide of my son. We're hoping that with this amount out there, that someone will come forward. Girlfriend, boyfriends are not together anymore. Husband and wives are not together anymore. Somewhere along the way, friends have gotten mad at each other, and they want to get even, and they'll tell. And we're hoping that's what happened. September 2nd, 2020, will mark 25 years since Richard's death. He would have been 49 years old. Imagine the view of the world he would have seen from his Harley on the weekend ride, or the peace he would feel riding his horse down an old country road, strumming his guitar on the porch after work, or quietly fishing at dusk, catching nothing and smiling like the world is his. But unfortunately, because someone took his life, all we can do is imagine. We're hoping that with whatever we say, it will reach their heart and their conscience. I've seen a lot of emotions. I've seen tears and sadness, and I've seen excitement and and longing and hoping when we thought, you know, there was a lead or when the sheriff's office thought there was something that might pan out, you know, and for for years we thought this year might be our year. That guy might be our guy. And the years just keep passing and it just, it never just, happens you know whenever whenever get our answers and it's very it's got to be very far hard for her his mother because she loved him so much you know and and he was her world May 27th this year he would have been 49 years old and we have walked this walk on this long road all these years and it would be we need not closure, but a conclusion, because I don't like the word closure. It would never close the hole in my heart that's caused by the loss of my son when we get justice for Richard. And justice for Richard would be for these people to be arrested and convicted. There's not much time left for them either, because, again, they may be sick. But I want to see it before I die. Thank you for listening to the story of Richard Martin. He was blessed to have people in his family who expressed their love for him through their writings. We leave you with a poem written by his aunt, Wanda Yvette. Come on in. Let's talk a while the way we always did. I'll retell the stories of when you were a kid. We'll talk about Melissa, the fights, the love you shared. You grew into a wild young man. Long brown hair, black Harley shirt. Mine seemed like a different world, high heel shoes and business skirt. But I liked the way that you played pool and you said my gray hair was cool. And always we could share a song, so we got along. I know that it's a little late, but I've tried to write these words for you. To quiet the demons in my head reminded me of words not said. And I know it'll never mean enough, it can't contain the emptiness the ever-women mystery of why this had to be. Come on out, let's walk a while. Take the path down through the trees. I'll show you where the plants will grow in the garden of my dreams. We'll talk about your papa, the miles of rose he tilled, 
and knew a little white-haired boy riding with him through the fields. I remember thinking you seemed older than your time. You had yourself a simple life, made up your own mind. You never let them buy you out. If you couldn't be free, you'd do without. For these things, I hope you knew that I was proud of you. So I tried to write these words for you. It's all you would have asked of me. To find a place on common ground where differences fade and trust is found. And I can count on you to find the feelings lost between the lines. In music, I could touch your heart and you in turn touch mine. Come sit down, tune your guitar. I'll sing my lady's song. You made me stop and think about the time I had before. You'd fuss at me for not taking the time for music anymore. Somehow I got too busy. Long working days, no time to play. You never let yourself get trapped. I envied you your simple ways. But I thought you had too many tattoos. You thought I had too many rules. I couldn't save you from your world. Maybe you'll save me from mine. So I tried to write these words for you to honor all the times we shared. Remembering times on common ground where differences fade and love is found. And I know it'll never mean enough. I can't contain the emptiness, the overwhelming mystery of why this had to be. This case, like every case, really tugged on our hearts. And I think that one thing that came so clearly through about Richard is that he just was so comfortable being who he was. And I love the idea of thinking of, you know, Leonard Skinner, simple man, and just the fact that everybody said he he just really was so comfortable being who he was. And I think that hearing how he was so close with his mom and his family growing up, and how important it was for him to be a protector and then for his life to end so tragically and to think that, you know, Miss Ada, after talking to her and and knowing that she went to bed and woke up with this horrible tragedy, it just, I don't know, it really broke my heart. I know all of them do, but this one really, um, I just, I think he seemed like a really special soul. Played Simple Man at his funeral. You know, you pictured it. You pictured him. They really got across who he really was. And then when they said that, too, it just was like, yep, that's like we could picture who he was. I got chills when she said that because in my mind, I already was like, this song fits him. And then, you know, hearing that, it just literally gave me chills. And and that's when I knew, okay, we're on the right track. We always try to make sure that we understand who the person is and we never can like the family. And that's why I think with you and I doing these interviews with the family, we talked from day one, who better to talk about? these victims and who better to bring who they were to life than the family and friends. And so we just feel so blessed to be able to take from them um, and to be able to hear their stories and for them to share that with us. We're just going to kind of wrap this out, give you guys, make sure that you have all the information, because one of the things that's so unfortunate about this is that there really are no named suspects. I mean, you know, um, I have a feeling that there's some thoughts on who maybe had done this. And I mean, Lori, just hearing that Ada and Melissa were like, hey, okay, when the police tell you right now there's nothing else we can do and that she talks about you have a choice, you know, that she could have sat there and just accepted that. 
Or, you know, when her and Melissa were like this, that was just not an option for us. It was like, okay, this is my son. And when they said he would have done that for us. I mean, I feel that from them. A hundred percent. And you can just see that Ada doesn't come across, just talking with Miss Ada, she doesn't seem to come across as somebody that would be very bold like that. But I just feel like that love of her son, it surpassed any kind of discomfort or anything that she had. And, and she was just laser focused on, I need to find out. I need to do everything I can. And I think it brought her out of her comfort zone a little bit. But at the same time, she was willing to do whatever it takes. And so even talking with us brought back a lot of pain, but she knows it's just that chance. It's been so many years. And what was desperate too from her is each year that passes, you know, more people pass away as well. And the answers that could unlock this for her is just disappearing as each year goes by. Just like Melissa had said, that's powerful. There's somebody out there that is thinking about this. There's somebody out there that was at that bar and so let's talk about that. He went to, I think there's nothing else that really went wrong. He wasn't involved in drugs. You heard the detective talk. You heard Andy Tribble talk about that. He wasn't involved in drugs. Did he drink some beer? Did he smoke a cigarette? Yes, but you know, there's no crime in that. He never had anything. He didn't have a history of getting into bar fights or being that type of person. So that really is not even up there to consider. So I know that sometimes we paint this picture and think about that, but that is not, the police do not believe that. His family don't believe, there's nothing that says that he would have done something or put himself in a situation other than he made himself vulnerable by being really drunk and at a bar. So I think that right there kind of sets the tone. This was back in 1995. So if anybody was at the bar, Nancy's on I-85, we really just want, I mean, it takes people asking around I can't tell you guys how many times a police officer or somebody has said it was a random tip. It was somebody that just said, this has bothered me and it's been 25 years, but I want to come forward. Um, Absolutely come forward. And it is not always that you have a detective that says any little thing. You can bother us. You can come forward. I don't care if you if you think it's absolutely nothing. So that's where I would start is Nancy's. I think the reason why he was asked to leave was just typical um, having too much to drink and it was time for him to go home. To our knowledge, there was no altercation there at the bar, but he was asked to leave by the bouncer. Now, there was talk that there was an altercation possibly in the parking lot. And that was what the detective was asking. Did anybody ever see, you know, they have no proof of that that we know of that they've made public. But he's asked, did anybody, you know, see an altercation? Did anybody see him get in a car? They don't even know if he's gotten into a car or if he walked. His body was actually found between two to three miles from the location. So did he get into a car or did he walk all that way? Or, you know, what happened? Did somebody accidentally hit him and they were drunk and and got out? I, I don't know. There's so many things. I know that in the beginning they had been told that, um, you know, at one point in time, some pretty far-fetched theories and mama wasn't having any of that. Ada was like, no. She actually, you know, talks about how she went and disproved one of the theories herself. And, you know, she has a great relationship with the police and with Andy and they have a great admiration for each other and that's always so nice to hear. So it's just really, she just wants answers. And again, I think that what a benefit to have these two ladies that are like, this is what we're dedicating our life to is finding out answers for Richard. So again, could he have been walking on the side of the road and somebody pulled over and and there was some sort of altercation? 
Did it go too far? That could have possibly have happened. Was there a fight? Did somebody not mean to kill him um, and not realize how bad they were, you know, beating him up? And he ended up dying. That's a good point, too, because they could have been so drunk, too, or something that happened that they didn't realize how badly. And then they find out the next morning, oh, my gosh. And they're living with that. So somebody out there is living with this no matter what. And you're never going to escape it. That's the thing, that somebody can come forward. They can put this to rest for Ada and Melissa and the rest of the Martin family. And we can bring Richard's legacy, you know, full circle. We can... We can kind of put what happened, the pieces of the puzzle for his family, which is it's so extremely important. And how many times do we hear family say it doesn't even really matter who anymore. It's just about what happened. Let me put the pieces of the puzzle together. Ada talks about that she's 70 now and that she just wants answers. I think every parent again that you and I talk to says, I don't want to die not knowing this. So anyway, to recap, I think some things to stick in your brain, Nancy's Lounge, you know, anybody that was hanging out there, altercation of any sort, maybe somebody who talked to him at the bar that night. And here's another thing. If you had previously talked to the police and given them some information that you feel like, well, they didn't listen and it went nowhere, please call them back. Please reiterate what you have already said before, because I'll tell you one thing. Andy Tribble is all over that. And I believe with all my heart that if you call him and give him that information, that he will reinvestigate that. Um, He will track anything down. And, you know, one thing, too, that Captain Andy Tribble said that I thought was really powerful. He's like, I don't care if it's hearsay. I don't care if it's gossip. Like, if you want to just let me know. And that's huge when a police officer and investigator says that, because what he's really saying is, The town may be having their own theories and it hasn't gotten back to the police yet. So let us know and then let us do our professional work and research that and see, because it could be something that's known to some people. You know, people are trying to figure that out. So I just thought that was really powerful when he said, come to me with anything, because they're willing to investigate that. And I think that's all really important. And if any plea that I would want to give from talking to Miss Ada and, and his family You know, she gave a selfless last act in her pain and suffering of her. Gosh, I just tear up even thinking of that. It's her only son. And she allowed other people to live and have a better life. I mean, she tells us the story of, you know, where some of his organs went to and and that that she gave that that the least someone could do. Absolutely. I was kind of taken aback when I heard that part of it. And it really changed things for me. And I love that she shared an emotion that maybe everybody would not have expressed because I think that's real and it's something I never would have thought about. But, you know, some people in TV, everybody wants to know where the organs go and let's have this reunion of that. But she was just super honest because, you know, she expressed that if I had given these organs to somebody, I feel attached to them. And if it doesn't work or if something happens, I can't bear to lose him another five times. I think that that truly was selfless. And I love hearing the story. And you could still tell she got some satisfaction out of hearing from the chaplain that had reached out to her that had gotten his lungs. I just think that's so special. And, you know, that's another thing. If you think about this and you don't have the organ donor marked on your driver's license, just something to to consider. I know it really made me go double check and make sure that I had it because the thought that Richard 
and his sweet soul ended up dead on the side of the road. And we could say it ended there, but it didn't. He lives on. And that's because of Ada. And please, you know, as as you know, if you know anything at all, Captain Andrew Tribble will not give up and he eagerly awaits any tips on this case. So if you have any information about this homicide, no matter how small, you can call Captain Tribble directly at 864-260-4432. Or if you wish to remain anonymous, and this is very important, you can call and give tips and remain completely anonymous. And you can do that by calling the Anderson Crime Stoppers at 888-CRIME-SC. And South Carolina inmates can call pound 49. And remember, there is now a $10,000 reward being offered for any information leading to the arrest of Richard Martin's killer. Thank you for being a part of this. And please join us next time on Dealing Justice. Like us on Facebook at Cold Case Playing Cards for all the latest information on this case and other cards we'll be featuring on future episodes. Dealing Justice is written, produced, and hosted by Jennifer Dubasak and myself, Lori Jennings. Our sound design is by John Schaub. Our executive consultant is the Cold Case Playing Cards creator, retired FDLE special agent Tommy Ray. If you want to help us spread the word about these victims' stories, please subscribe and leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast app. And tell your friends to subscribe. And join us next time on Dealing Justice. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.